Welcome, everyone. This is the Virtually Church Podcast, a podcast dedicated to thinking more deeply about the differences in values between church and technology. Uh, I am Taylor Mason, and I will be hosting this podcast alongside Jordan Mason and Jeremy Hall. So, uh, Jeremy and Jordan, why don't you guys uh, start and introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Jeremy Hall, and I am the associate pastor at a little place called Townview Baptist in Kennesaw, Georgia, um, on the north side of Atlanta. I'm also the one of the hosts of the Kingdom Ethics podcast. And I am Jordan Mason. I'm a PhD student at St. Louis University. I'm studying healthcare ethics and theology, and I'm training to be a clinical ethicist. Um, and I'm particularly interested in the ethics of medical technology, so that's how some of this technology stuff got started for me. And I'm Taylor Mason. Uh, I am the Associate Pastor of Students and Community Engagement at Kirkwood Baptist Church here in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, and so we decided to get together and put this little podcast together because of, one, the pandemic. Uh, the whole church world has been upended because of the pandemic. People can't meet together. And so now a lot of church, a lot of ministers and churches have had to revert to all this new form of technology with Zoom or YouTube to communicate and connect with their church members. But really how this idea got started for for me was uh, Jordan and I, um, for our listeners, Jordan and I are married. Uh, we were sitting down one day and she brought up to me, as soon as the pandemic and the stay-at-home orders started, she said, you know, I think this moment for the church is going to be really important and we're going to see a shift in the way that church is done. And people might shift to this online platform and, and, and embrace it in ways that they never think about the possible problems. And in that conversation, I was like, yeah, but I think, I don't really think so. I think people will really understand and embrace, uh, will embrace this idea of like being in person because really that's what matters. And, you know, growing up in a Baptist church, everyone loves to be there and hug you and shake hands and all that stuff. Like they, they love that in-person-ness. And Jordan's like, I don't know. It's going to be really easy and convenient for people to stay home if this goes on for a long time. And a few weeks in, I started reading some articles on, um, you know, Baptist News Global or Ministry Matters or a few other places. And I started to see like, oh my gosh, all of these people writing and ministers are seeing this shift to a online technological way of doing church as like the best thing that's ever happened to the church. Like this is the shift that we've been needing. Uh, I've been reading things where saying it's about time the church caught up with the 21st century. Finally. Finally. Right. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so I came back to Jordan. I was like, Jordan, um, you nailed it. Like you were you, right. You were right, which I always <laughs> say, but, uh, you were right. And, uh, I'm not very good at writing um, writing articles, so I thought, hey, why don't we get together and talk about it, you know, uh, through a series of podcasts and maybe bring in some uh, professionals in other areas to try to understand this topic a little bit more. Is there anything that I'm missing, Jordan, about that conversation? Um, no. So, yeah, because of my work um, and reading a lot about the philosophy of technology, I it, it seems pretty clear to me that technology is not 
it's not just sitting there in the background waiting for us to use it. It's actually a pretty compelling force that pulls us forward. And I just thought, you know, this is sort of the perfect storm. This is the thing that's going to galvanize us to get um, to do church virtually. And um, I don't think there's really going to be a lot of going back after that. Um, just kind of a prediction of mine. And I mean, we have yet to see, right? But it does seem that, you know, a lot of these things are probably here to stay. Um, I think probably for the next couple of years, churches are saying, you know, until this completely goes away, we're going to have to accommodate people virtually in some way. So it does seem like this is going to be here to stay. And, um, and the banner of innovation will pull us forward. Um, but what are we losing when we leave our bodies behind? And that's, I think, a big question for us. And I, you know, having those conversations with, with you, Jordan, and um, talking about all of that, we were like, all right, maybe, maybe it's not just us that needs to talk about it. Maybe other people are interested or maybe other people are thinking about it. And uh, so we were like, let's get a podcast together. But neither Jordan nor I have any experience in podcasts. And that's where Jeremy Hall comes in. Pure utility. I I am the technology that has compelled you. Yeah. (laughs) I demand to be used. But you, Jeremy, were kind of, even before we talked, you were kind of feeling that way to some degree. Like you had some of those thoughts going on even at your church, right? Yeah. You called me to just be like, are you, are you guys dealing with any of this? And I had, I had just had a conversation um, that day with someone who I thought was way too excited about online church and the wonders of its convenience and it's so easy and it's so safe. It's so nice. And I do it when I, and they were telling me, I, I went to 12 churches this past week. I'm like, I don't know why you'd want to do that to yourself as a preacher. I don't want to listen to 12 sermons. Um, but they had, and so I was talking to them and they've like done all these things, but what have they actually participated in and so I've been trying to think before you called me about what are the virtues of the way that the church had traditionally structured itself and what it means to be embodied and so I've been wanting to push back on just the unrelenting excitement of welcoming the tech and that's not a and that's not and I know I have a beard, but I am not Amish. The that's not a fear of technology. I I love my smartphone. I I make TikTok videos every day because I am a relevant pastor. Darn it! Um, that it's a become a good part, an enjoyable part. Maybe not good, but an enjoyable part of my life. I'm not anti-tech, but there's there's something human that I'm nervous we might lose. I, I think that's a great point. And, you know, if tuning in for the first time since this is our first episode, I think it's important for us to preface that this isn't a podcast that's anti all forms of technology. So we're not going to be saying, like, we need to get rid of all forms of technology for our churches. But we are questioning this idea of, just rushing and embracing all things as fantastic things without considering the consequences of that, or what does that mean, or how does that change the way that we do church? And so for us as, as a podcast and f- for conversations, 
we want to really embrace that idea of, you know, we need to think more deeply about this. We need to think more deeply about the values between church and technology. Um, so before we dive more into that, um, Jordan, can you, um, since you kind of brought up this idea that of, of technology, can you give us a little bit of a definition, a brief definition of what technology, the next episode, episode two, we're going to be with uh, Dr. Jeffrey Bishop from uh, St. Louis University, and he'll talk a little bit more about technology and values. But if you'll give us kind of a working definition for, uh, for us so that we have a base on to go off of. Yeah. So that's actually a really good segue because we can't reject technology. Technology is much broader than we typically think it is. So in the philosophy of technology, usually technology is defined as anything that we use as a tool. So it's not just things that you would think of like computers and Zoom and YouTube, but things like a hammer, uh, fire, um, things like that. Also, not just things that we use uh, to build or to cook or things like that, but also things like clothing, um, our language. So the speech that we use to communicate with each other is technically a technology. Um, books, anything that's written down. So these are technologies that communicate and carry meaning and truth and knowledge from one human being to another. So they're being used as tools. So Actually, in our churches, our religious rituals, including things like our liturgies, our orders of worship, even our songs, our hymns, our hymnals, our creeds, lectionaries, all of these things are technologies. Is the office so, of clergy a technology? I would say it could be considered a technology. I mean, it does sort of, when you start to push it out this broad, it does beg the question what is not a technology, right? Like we kind of use everything as a tool um, in some way. So that's a really good question in the philosophy of technologies. What is not a technology? Um, but yeah, I think that absolutely could be considered a technology. But I think for the, the purposes of this podcast, we want to narrow it down a little bit so that we don't get lost in those weeds and say, you know, it's not a question of, whether we use technology, but which technologies we use and how we use them. And we're specifically wanting to look at these new technologies, not the old ones like the lectionary and the liturgy, but the new ones that we are just now embracing, like um, Zoom for church and live stream and uh, YouTube and these sorts of new, new things that churches are embracing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been so interesting. I mean, with what I'm doing at our church with youth group stuff and other church related uh with Sunday school, I think most ministers uh and pastors will know that yeah, they're kind of doing it all. Like they're like, "Oh, well Zoom can get me face to face with people, so I'm going to do that." Um or we're going to record our worship services so people can see that every day and I think that's been, uh, you know, a lot of people have just been rushing into that mm -hmm. and that's really important for us to think of as those things as technology. So yeah, that makes great sense. Jeremy, like why, um, 
I, I want to spend uh, just a little bit of time talking about like the why of this podcast. So like, why, why do we think that this matters for people to even listen to? Um, uh, Jeremy, I'll start with you. Like, why does this matter to, to you? My, if you so you've got a fantastic uh, title. If you draw your associate pastor out, your associate pastor of was it student ministries and community engagement, students and community engagement. It's so it's it's such a long title that the full title couldn't fit on like the little name tag <laughs> next to my door. So it just says students and community. So I'm the associate pastor of community. There you go. Uh, That's yeah. pretty cool. Mine is associate pastor of faith development. And yeah, be impressed. Be very impressed. I'm impressed. I can tell. Um, <laughs> I I think you need a community to achieve faith development. Um, I've got this crazy idea that faith development is not achieved through the transmission of information, but that mm. faith is caught far more than it's taught. And you can only do that through active relationships with people that are on different stages of that development around you in community. And when we get to select um, every aspect of our community, when we get to uh, tailor design it, we often don't pick people that are different enough from us to cause that sort of development. And we rely too much on the transmission of information, which is particularly dangerous for someone like me as a Baptist preacher. My tradition is very much about the transmission of information. And as a preacher, I want to transmit information. It's what I do. Um, there's, <clears throat> we have a really, we, we've, we're, we've still got the dinosaur in our church of a children's moment in the service where everything kind of stops and we focus on those on the earliest stages of their faith journey along with their developmental journey. And we talk directly to the kids and sometimes they're called down to the front. Sometimes it's all different modes, but we have um, one guy who I empowered to do that part of the ministry um, in our setting. Who's been a children's educator and a magician and a children's entertainer and like a professional juggler, the guy. And he loves to talk about, children's education and he's phenomenal at it and he's all about tactile community experiences and so he'll call the kids down and he's like okay we're gonna we're gonna play a game here's the challenge i'm gonna count to three i'm gonna tell you to do something you're gonna do it as fast as you can kids are excited and goes okay one two three touch the church and they all scatter and they like (laughs) grab a chair or the altar or the or they try to touch my guitar and i hit them with something or they they get a hand on a wall and then he, he has them stand there and explains this thing that we've been saying for a long time, that the church is not the building, but the community. And by the end of the thing, the kids are laying hands on members of the community and we're praying for each other. Mm. And I think that's a microcosm of and like in that little five minute moment, we see church. Absolutely. I think uh, one thing on this this topic that I hear a lot that I've been reading for the embrace of technology and all these other things is like, hey, we can do Zoom. 
we can do YouTube live, we can do all this stuff. This means we don't have to focus as much on the building. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, the church is not the building, which is a theological statement that I think most Christians would believe in. They'd at least say Uh, it. Yeah. At least say it. But I wonder, uh, Jordan, if you think, does that, I don't know. Do you think that phrase, the church is not the building can get used in a way that, um, uh, is used to embrace all forms of technology that remove ourselves from physical presence? Yeah. Um, because I think about also the church building as a technology, right? Because mm-hmm. it also communicates the way that the architecture is, the way that our sanctuaries are set up. Um, you know, whether or not we have an American flag in our sanctuary is a very interesting um thing, I think, for, for Baptist churches, especially historically. Um, but all of those things communicate something. Our stained glass communicates. Um, where the preacher stands when he's preaching communicates. And so if you think about, yeah, the church is not a building. Absolutely. But our churches inform what we think Christianity is. It informs what we think our faith is and what it means to live out that faith. So in the absence of the church building, I would ask what other technologies are filling that void? Mm. What what are our bodies being taught is Christianity if we don't have the architecture of the church? Um, and if it's standing or sitting in front of a computer screen, which is also the same screen on which we you know do our work Monday through Friday and watch Netflix and all these other things. What is distinct about um, what it means to watch a world? All right. Well, let let me hop in there with, I think, I mean, obviously, um, Jeremy and I are both Baptists, work in a Baptist church. Jordan, you're Episcopalian um, and are part of the Episcopal tradition, which has some differences, I think. Um, But this idea of, you know, over the years, I think there is some argument and some um, argument to be made that a lot of times churches have spent so much time just worrying about the AC units or making sure the building is nice and not being messed up or that, you know, all of our money has to go back into the building versus like caring for others or doing other things that, you know, there is a legitimate argument to say that the church is not the building. Um, but I think what you're pointing out, Jordan, is the need to not overcompensate or forget that, you know, if you're here in St. Louis and you go to the, like the Catholic Basilica, is that what it's called? The, um, is it? You have a basilica? Cathedral Basilica? Yeah, it's massive. And it has, I mean, the, the, it's, it's a Catholic church and it's massive and it took like a hundred years to build and it's all mosaics. And part of one of the mosaics was half built by, Tiffany, like, you know, Tiffany and company. And then, uh, they couldn't pay him anymore. So he was like, well, I'm done. And then someone else had to come in and they had to come it. and like remix the colors to match. Cause Tiffany was like, those are our colors and we're not giving you the, yeah. the exact <laughs> Which is insane. But all of that to be said, when you walk into that space, you know, the ceilings are, I don't know, maybe a hundred feet they high. Draw your eyes up. And mm-hmm. Yeah, there is something about the the building itself that makes you think about God 
the church and things in a holy way that you couldn't get if you were just having that same service with no building. Um, and all you're doing is either listening or watching it on, on uh, zoom or YouTube or Facebook live, you know, for a while I pastored a church that met in a movie theater. Mm -hmm. Um, We were in a lot, we were at one of these big megaplexes a, a rave back when there were raves. So it's nice. We have big stadium seating and our chairs reclined. And we were the only theater church I could find in the country that was getting to use their projection system. So our we were projecting 100 feet by 60 feet. It was impressive. Our band was awesome. When you'd preach, you were projected behind you in real time. So I became 60 feet tall. Um, wow. yeah, we were using their subwoofers. So like all of Michael Bay's explosions were coming out of our <laughs> kick drum. Like it was intense. And we leaned into the like idea that we were theater church. And so our offering plates were movie theater, popcorn buckets, and we had food at the concession stand. That's where you went and got your coffee. And it was really fun because you're going to the movies and I, was, I read some K.A. Smith, and he reminds us that worship is practice for how to live as a Christian. And so what mm-hmm. does a movie theater teach you? What do you do at a movie theater? You go in. You're a spectator. Yep. You get your concessions. You sit. You spectate. You suspend your disbelief. Whatever happens on the screen isn't real. It doesn't matter. And then you go home. Maybe you talk about the movie, but you also, the questions you ask are things like, did I like that movie? Mm. Was it entertaining? Was it uh, exciting? You don't ask traditional faith questions about it. And now, you know, with with the movement of none of us being able to be together in person, um, this uh, this time of church can be very convenient. Um, I can wake up five minutes before worship starts. Uh, you know, some of my youth are like, I'll wake up five minutes before Sunday school, roll over to my phone, get on zoom, but not turn my camera on. And I'll just kind of lay there (laughs) for Mm -hmm. all of Sunday school, which to some degree, I'm very glad that the youth group is still getting together in some way and being in Sunday school. But at the same time, you're not being fully present that way. You're not engaging and it's much more difficult to connect with the material or, you know, I know some people will pair going to church while driving out to go hiking. So mm-hmm. you can knock two things out at once or, and these are things that the new forms of embracing technology allow us to do. And on some degree, I know some people will be like, well, Hey, look, you know, we got twice as many people now. We've always been wondering how to get our church onto the soccer field where everyone's going and and you know soccer on sunday mornings granted that's not happening right now because of the pandemic but afterwards you know once we're all back together why don't we keep doing that so families can still worship but not have to be in the building and i think that raises a question um for us as ministers and for you know why we're doing this podcast is like is that really what we want to start creating as a church is that what the church should be doing and creating that environment right i mean if you think about the 
underneath that, what that communicates about what the important part of a worship service is. It's like what Jeremy was saying earlier. It's the information, right? Like if you can listen to it while you drive to go somewhere else and that's what worship is, then that's just saying that, you know, the operative part of a service is the information that you hear. And actually, this is why this matters to me so much is because I, you know, I believe that the church is the primary site of Christian moral formation. And it's not just because of the information that we get there. It's because of the values that that it inscribes on our bodies when we're in that space, the movements that we make in the liturgy, uh, the words that we sing in songs together, the peace that we pass to each other when we can see each other face to face and we can't just mute everyone. Um, kneeling during confession, like these are very powerful meaning making activities. And I think we need them. I think we need them in order to worship and to be, be able to be like Christ. Yeah. I, I, I don't think anyone would, maybe there's a few people I'm not going to speak in absolutes, but I don't think most people would say that being able to meet over zoom has the same feeling as meeting in person. But I have heard every so often that in fact, you know, um, I actually feel more comfortable and vulnerable, uh, over zoom. Um, as an introvert, it's a lot easier for me to connect. I don't have to worry about being swarmed by a bunch of people at church surrounding me. I don't have to worry about um, the awkwardness of a physical touch that I'm not comfortable with, like a handshake or a tap on the shoulder or whatever the case would be. Um, so there are some benefits for some people, but I think all of us to some degree being quarantined are feeling the, like there is a a mental drain and maybe even a physical drain on doing everything virtually to some degree, uh, kind of more deep down in the pit of like your inner being your soul in some way. Uh, but it's, it's a, it's, it's quite interesting. And, and, you know, as we explore this podcast, I'm sure, I hope people will understand that this is a very complicated question and it's not, uh, it's not going to be, just black and white in the sense of like you embrace all forms of technology or you embrace no forms of technology. Um, you but have to embrace forms of technology. You have to. Yes. <laughs> of which we'll, 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 if you're wearing clothes, you're speaking. embracing forms of technology, <laughs> which, which, uh, we'll dive more into that. Um, in our second episode with, with Jeff, Dr. Bishop, uh, because he's, he's going to teach us all about technology and the values of that. I do want to. I would do want to move on to um, the problems that get in the way of our understanding, especially for ministers, since um, we're focusing somewhat on, you know, how do we do church during this time. Um, so, what are some like? Here's some of the like. I'm. I'm just thinking of some of the ways that get in the way of people even thinking about this topic. So, for example. Um, no one's coming to the church anymore as a, as a pastor that I am, no one's coming to the church anymore. And one thing that I thought as soon as this pandemic happened was I need to bust my butt and do more work that's visible to everyone so that <laughs> if for some reason, uh, we have yes. to decide between 
um, keeping the lights on or letting a person go, uh, I, they'll go, Hey, you know what? Taylor's working so hard. Like we need Taylor during this time, right? Can like work a in form the dark. of, yeah, forget the lights, forget the lights. We need Taylor. I think one of the things is that ministers are secretly afraid of losing their jobs. Um, so they might feel the pressure of staying busy or innovative, um, in some way, like I got to keep doing all these things so that the church or my congregation knows that I'm not just sitting, sitting around twiddling my thumbs all day mm-hmm. because no one's in the building. And we've bought um, into a, a model of infinite growth. The church must always be growing. Your local church must always be gaining new numbers. Um, pastors bought into the idea that, there were, that all of us are social entrepreneurs mm. um, and that we're supposed to be innovating all the time. Yeah. I I also feel like um pastors have been or ministers have been in a kind of a crisis mode too. Like uh this thing happened, the shutdowns happened, realizing now that you can't get 100 people together in a sanctuary. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And when you're in that crisis mode, you don't you don't have any time to sit back and think deep about your deep values of a church and what technology means and how it's embracing you're just thinking how can i you know solve this problem of my church not being together um and oh zoom has a solution to that uh i can get people all together on zoom oh youtube has a solution to that oh i can stream live my worship service and put that up and people can watch it by this product Uh, yeah um you know, what are, I mean, what are some other examples that you've been seeing with your churches? Um, how about you, Jordan? I just had a, a comment on that, which is that, you know, in crisis mode, there's a lot of people who are really struggling with their mental health through this time. And I know a lot of ministers are like, you know, if we don't find a way to connect and to like support each other, then I'm worried about those people. So we can't just sit back and, you know, think deeply about how do we not use technology? Um, how do we, you know, we can't just think we'll just wait for another year until we can all get back together because these, you know, some people are really struggling. No, but Jordan, you've got a great point. There, there are people in my community that I'm really like actively worried about. They've been alone too long. I, I know their stories. I know about their mental states. I know about their spiritual states. And I'm scared that they're stuck alone with themselves. There are also preacher ego issues at play because mm. most of us pastors are head cases at some level or another. We're all a little crazy and a lot of us have some ego issues. And so all of a sudden, we're not the center of attention anymore. Mm-hmm. And. A lot of, I, I see a lot of folks scrambling to get as many eyes as possible. And, and that's both like for them. And, and I know I'm frustrated if my video doesn't have as many likes or views as I want it to. That feels like failure. Yeah. Like I gave a sermon and you didn't show up. Um, and this feeds into the idea of like, I mean, ministers have always been comparing themselves with other people. Um, you know, living in Atlanta before moving to St. Louis as a minister, you always comp- you always like 
are like, well, I'm no Andy Stanley, or mm-hmm. I'm no Louis Giglio, or I'm no this or that. Um, but you also hear other people that are kind of at the same type of like size of your church or whatever and what they're doing. And I know myself often feel the pressure of, well, if they're doing that, maybe I like, if I'm not doing that or doing something better than that, then I'm not doing a good job. Or, I'm or not we're going to lose our people. Well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to sheep swap. We're yeah. Steal yeah. our sheep. I also, so uh, another fun thing that I felt like uh, that, um, keeps ministers from thinking deeply about this or understanding this is uh, I've heard some people have really as min- so some churches, if you're not aware, will um, either don't have the capability of streaming uh, live on Sunday mornings or they do, but it's been easier and maybe more convenient for them to record the service like during the week, put it together and then quote unquote quote unquote unquote, uh, put it out live at the normal worship time. But what that allows is like for the first time in a very long time, ministers, uh, we get to have our Sunday mornings back. Um, <laughs> ministers get to sleep in on Sunday morning and have breakfast with their kids or their families and not have to wake up super early and be stressed out about, you know, the day to come on Sunday mornings. Uh, and I've heard some people are like, you know, this is great. Like I, <laughs> It's been 15 years since I've had a Sunday morning, yeah. and it's it's fantastic. My father-in-law, I, I think he was joking, jokingly tried to convince me to be a Seventh-day Adventist. <laughs> yeah, well, he that. doesn't know anything about the Seventh-day Adventists, but he tried to convince me to be a Seventh-day Adventist because he thinks pastors' marriages fall apart because they never have a weekend to spend with their family. Oh, okay. And so suddenly it's like, oh, yeah. I get to Sunday isn't a day when I like leave my wife and child early in the morning and let them face all of getting a kid ready and going to church Mm. and trying to meet everyone's expectations. I let them do that themselves because I have to go be pastor. And now I I make coffee and I put on, I like wear my bathrobe and we sit on the sofa. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a, there's something to be said that um i mean uh we at at kirkwood have been very intentional with live streaming in the sense of really being live so we have fortunately we've had the capability we've been doing that for over a year before the pandemic hit but we stream live on youtube and one of the reasons or our i would say our values for that is because at least to some degree we are physically in the sanctuary space at the same time that someone else is physically watching and participating in it. It's the closest right now that we can get to what it was of being together in person, everyone together. But unlike being in person for worship, we save the recording and it's up online forever versus if you, um, Granted, we were already doing that before the pandemic because we were recording for a lot of our senior adults or homebound members that couldn't come out of you know their house to go to worship. Um, but for the most part, you had to be there in person to participate and get this experience. And if you weren't there, you would miss it. Mm-hmm. Um, and le- let's also not forget that one of the big factors of not thinking about this is financially, right? If we don't do 
stuff where people are participating, maybe people won't donate or tie to the church or they'll forget about it. And what does that mean about the future of the church? Maybe this church won't be here if this pandemic goes on for another two years. Can I just make a comment about the thing before the last thing you said? Absolutely. So um, I think the question of whether or not we record and post services is actually very interesting because I know for a lot of Protestant denominations, I think particularly Baptist, the the act of preaching is a moment where the spirit of God like meets you, right? So like the act of like preaching the word of God is a theologically an important moment right? where the word comes to you in the moment uh, in some way and meets you there. And it's particular. It can't be stored up like a resource and mind later, right? Like that's maybe technologically we would think of things as resources that can be mined, but uh, it's stored up. But preaching is not one of those things theologically. So for a lot of denominations, I would think that they would object to recording and posting services versus just playing them live and, um, you know, meeting the spirit of God in that moment. Just a thought. The yes. So I I would think I would say that you can only store the information because the Mm. sermon is a moment. It is a it's a thing that happens. And I don't think you preaching to a camera is awful. And you're not preaching. You're giving a TED talk about theology. You're yeah, giving a theological exactly. TED talk. Um, but it's it's not preaching because we you need two people to have a sermon. Um, and so maybe you can you can store up the information, which might be useful to access later. I I watch other preachers that I think are talented, and. I'm not experiencing the sermon moment, but I can, I'm gaining the information that they are transmitting, but yeah, it's not the same thing. Right. So you might be learning from them about the act of preaching, but you're not meeting the spirit in the moment. Yeah. So what you're, what you're consuming when you watch a preacher uh, recorded is information maybe about homiletics or, you know, you're watching, you're getting information about the act of preaching, but not necessarily a spiritual experience of the preaching moment. Mm -hmm. It's educational. But I would say in the evangelical world to a degree, uh, a lot of people would not agree with that. And the idea that from Billy Graham on, you know, from recording your sermons on the radio to being on TV to now put posting everything on the internet, uh, Often the argument is, look, my sermon or my preaching is touching more lives and mm-hmm. influencing people more than ever could be done just in person. So isn't this a great thing? Like it's, uh, you know, more and more people are hearing the, you know, the message of Jesus. Like, isn't that a great thing? Like, isn't that what preaching is all about? It's about, you know, sending the message so people can be saved. Um, but I, I would agree with your critique of saying, well, you're exchanging information, but it's not actually the act of preaching. It's not the, the theological and spiritual uh, thing that happens when you're in person connecting. But a lot of people would, would disagree. I mean, 
obviously people that love to stay home and go to church to a lot of different things feel like, Hey, I'm, I'm getting three sermons, you know, three course um, meal. Yeah. And, <laughs> and in the evangelical world or in the Baptist world, th- this idea of transmitting all that information in different ways through radio or TV has been a long part of the history since the early 1900s. Well, I mean, the, Technology is always drawn, and maybe this is what we're going to get into with um, Dr. Bishop, but technology always compels us forward, and whatever technology the church adopts always dictates the next section of the church's life. You can't have a Protestant Reformation if you don't have a printing press. Absolutely. Once we get to uh, mass-produced books, that changes the way that the minister reaches their community uh, you don't you don't get uh, Rauschenbusch's work affecting uh, the entire United States the way it did in the uh, the social gospel movement if you can't mass produce a book. Um, you don't um, have the 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 sort of evangelical style of preaching probably doesn't emerge if you don't have mass radio communication. And once we have televangelists now the event of church space becomes glamour and and the way the pastor looks becomes just as important as what the pastor says. The technology informs where we're going to go next and affects our, our, uh, maybe the, what we could say is our presented values. Yeah. I, Mm -hmm. I think you're absolutely right with that. And, and I, I think this is a, a point to, to note that, you know, mostly where this podcast is going to land is more on the Protestant side of things. But we also realize like from a Catholic perspective or an Orthodox perspective, or even, you know, with you, Jordan, from an Episcopal perspective, there's going to be different ways of going about and having this conversation with technology. Um, so we, we might be talking more in the Protestant world and more in the Baptist world, just because those are our experiences, you know, for me and Jeremy, especially, but if, you know, if you're listening and you are a part of a Catholic church, or if you are a part of Episcopal church, or if you're a part of an Orthodox church or any other form, uh, or a different type of Protestant church, and you're experiencing things a little differently than what we're talking about, you know, we would love to hear about that. Um, I'll make a plug at the end, but I'll also make a plug here that we have an email address at virtuallychurch at gmail.com where you can write in thoughts, uh, concerns, questions, um, disagreements, agreements, whatever you want. And uh, hopefully towards as we continue these podcasts, we can answer or bring up some of those questions um, in our podcast because we would really like to have that type of dialogue back and forth. Um. So, you know, all of these things are getting in the way of ministers thinking about this topic. And for some ministers, we, we might not even be thinking about this at all. We haven't even had the language. We haven't even thought that forms of technology can influence our values. Uh, next episode, we're going to really dive into this idea that, you know, our church has values. What does it mean to be a church? has value in itself and that churches establish those values. And also there's a myth that we'll explore that technology is neutral, but in reality, uh, if we dive deeper into it, technology itself has the, its own values. Zoom has its own values that are separate from the church or texting or 
whatever the case is, you know, name your technology, put it into the blank, and it will have some form of value in it. And we'll explore that in detail next episode. But before we end, um, with each episode, I want us to take a time to talk about finding hope. Um, we are in the midst of a pandemic where people have been at home for multiple months. Some people have lost their jobs. Churches are trying to figure out what to do with their budgets or how to care for their minister or their church. And so at the end of each episode, I want us to talk just a little bit briefly about where we see hope. Like where are there areas of hope that we see just to kind of, I don't know, brighten our our outlook on the world, because sometimes it can be really dismal to think about, oh, we might be in this for the long haul. You know, it's not going to be another month. It might be another year or two uh, in some form. So, um, you know, for, let's start with you, Jeremy, uh, you know, where, and this can be seeing hope in the church or somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't like have to just be in the church. of the universe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, where are you seeing hope? Where are you finding hope right now in your life? I've so thinking in my ministry context, I'm I'm really excited by people maybe and this goes right along with what we're talking about. They're taking church home with them. Um I've been trying my whole career to equip families to do faith development at home, and this has finally forced people to take me up on that offer. And I'm getting really awesome feedback from people using uh, some of these great resources that the church has produced. Um, there's some really spectacular faith at home materials. And I'm seeing parents and families and grandparents take control of their children's faith development and become a more active part in that. And that's really exciting. And the heat death of the universe. I don't know what that means. That means eventually the universe is going to completely run out of energy and we're going to continue expanding until there's no possible way for anything to interact anymore. And the universe will just burn out and freeze to death and there will be nothing and we will be consumed by the nicta and... Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's, a, that's your new spinoff podcast. We won't have to Hi, I'm Jeremy Hull. Welcome to the inevitable heat death of the universe. Yeah. Welcome to no hope. Wow. Baptist Church. All right, Jordan. That's a good follow-up. No for you. hope Baptist Church. Follow that one up. Um, yeah. So I am actually finding a lot of hope in seeing my white communities uh, that I'm a part of waking up and um, resisting systemic injustice and racism. Um, it's painful, I know, for a lot of people, and it's heavy and hard, but I'm definitely seeing hope in um, the idea of change. And I think I'm seeing hope in, in that same area, but the idea that white churches are spending some time and asking some really hard questions that we probably as white churches should have asked 50, 60 years ago easily. Um, but this idea of how do we, you know, care for African-Americans? How do we uh, not just go in and try to be the white savior, but how do we actually like partner with and care for and support communities that are actually engaging and 
doing things to bring about social justice in a, a world that we desperately need it. I mean, Jeremy, you're in Atlanta and we're in St. Louis, two hot beds of racial tension and racism that uh, has been in the forefront of national and world media. And it's encouraging. And I find hope that, you know, people are really starting to consider this, especially um, in the white community to some degree. Uh, so, yeah. Well, Jeremy, Jordan, um, thank you for this time. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Also, uh, thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the conversation, please subscribe to our podcast for new episodes. Leave a comment uh, on our po podcast page. Uh, Jeremy, can you tell us where we can find uh, this podcast? Obviously, if you're listening to it, you found it. But Congratulations. You're ahead of the curve. But so that you can tell all of your friends, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. So we've covered all of your big ones there. Um, and hit that subscribe button. Give us a like, leave a review, share it. That helps the algorithm boost us uh, even more. So you are responsible for exposing this content if it's been valuable to you. Also, we have a Facebook page uh, where we'll post content and kind of uh, sometimes we might share a photo behind the scenes or we'll uh, let you know when the next podcast is dropping and you can listen to it. Um, and next week, we're going to be talking with Dr. Jeff Bishop from St. Louis University about technology and how technology is not neutral, but has its own values. So uh, we're very excited about that. Um, you won't want to miss it. Also, like we said earlier, if you have any questions about the church and technology, let us know. You can write our, your thoughts, questions, and concerns to our email address, and that's virtuallychurch@gmail.com. Maybe next time we can spend some time answering your questions. So thanks again for tuning in, Jeremy, uh, Jordan, stay safe, have a, have a good time. And uh, thanks again for the talk. Uh, this was great. Thank you. Thank you.